0: You're listening to 247 Real Talk. I'm your host, Julian Perry, and this is another episode of Black Lives Matter Reloaded. So here we are again, a place that I would not have imagined that we would be. On my last episode of Black Lives Matter Reloaded, I gave my audience some of uh, my personal experiences of encountering racism in America. But I was pretty confident with the movement of the entire country and world behind the George Floyd killing and the resulting calls for reform and justice and the sensitivity that was across our nation now, that everyone, in every way, reacting or interacting in something that dealt with Black Lives Matter would be sensitive to the time that we're in would give extra thought to their actions. And in this case, especially police officers. Now, I want to make it very clear to my audience that I have quite a few. I would see a lot of friends who are or were police officers. And I can't say enough good things about those guys, how great, the great people that they are, the the kindness that they have, the way I see them see them treat others on and off the job. But in any part of society, in any group of people, you've got those who are there with a certain amount of uh, effort and compassion and understanding of the job they do. And then you have others who do things for their own reasons. The point I'm leading up to here is Rashard Brooks. On June 12th, I believe it was, Rashard Brooks was shot and killed in Atlanta. This is, a, as the news says so far, and I want to make it clear that I'm going on what we know so far. He was at a Wendy's drive-thru, in the line leading up to the drive-thru, and he fell asleep. Apparently, obviously, if you fall asleep in that position, people have to drive around you. You create chaos in the line for the drive through window. So someone, whomever it is, call the police. An officer arrives and determines that he is likely under the influence, and that officer calls for what they they call a DUI officer. Now, at some point between testing him and determining that he was in fact under the influence and attempt to arrest him, a scuffle broke out. But let's stop right there. We have established that he was under the influence, which means that for a trained police officer, you already understand that his actions are likely not the actions he would normally take if he was not under the influence, possibly. So we move ahead. There's an attempt to handcuff him. Uh, He struggles. The cop pulls his taser. This is what, as the story goes, fires the taser. Not sure if he hit him or not, but maybe under the influence, the effect was not what it should be. Rashard grabs the gun from the, the taser, I'm sorry, from the cop. Runs off at some point in the distance. Turns with the taser. Now he grabbed the taser from the cop. So the cop knows that what's in his hand is a taser. He looks back maybe turns to, to a certain angle back, which we don't know why. Maybe he was looking to see how much distance he had created between himself and the officer. And then he tries to keep going. You know, basically we can probably say, hey, the guy was drunk, he got caught, and this is his attempt to not get arrested. Not saying it was the right thing to do. Bottom line is, wouldn't encourage anyone in that situation, if you're under the influence and you get arrested, follow the law, do as you instructed to do by the police officer, but he didn't. he's under the influence, so being under the influence, you know you can't really say you know what his thoughts were at the time. But then we get to the point where I woke up this morning, and on this morning, by this morning, I mean we are here at June fifteenth, Monday morning, and I hear the autopsy's in. And he died from two gunshot wounds to the back. And I have a problem primarily because when I think about it, you have situations where, and I, you know, I was thinking about people who have found themselves in a tough situation because, for instance, let's say someone broke into their home. There was a home invasion and they happened to be a legal firearm owner with a legal firearm. And in the heat of finding someone in your home in the middle of the night or whenever it is, someone that's not supposed to be there, they chase after the person. The person did or didn't have a gun. I'm just thinking about scenarios I've heard in the past. And they kept chasing the person and they fired and they shot the person in the back. And that is what they were arrested for and later convicted. Now, I say that to say two things. One, in the adrenaline of the moment of waking up in your home or, or just finding someone in your home that is, is not supposed to be there and maybe you have kids, maybe you, know, you have a family, and your instinct, your human instinct is to protect them. So you grab your, your, your weapon and in the heat of it, you fire on a fleeing subject and obviously that's wrong. The key to that is though, I was speaking of a civilian, someone who is not trained to tactically subdue someone, someone who is not trained, already trained on the law. What's necessarily right or wrong And in this case At this point now There are two police officers on the scene And I have to believe That there was Or there were several options For a better outcome here I listen to many people Who Go on about what is this thing about Black Lives Matter? All lives matter. And the fact of the matter is, all lives do matter. But Black Lives are the ones that are being affected. So here we are. Where do we go from here? How do we make sure that this does not keep happening? How do we change the mindset of people? How do we put value to all lives so that we get to the point where all lives matter, including the lives of black and brown people. And for those who are oblivious to this situation and this argument, and believe me, I've met people who are, and I'm going to digress for a moment to tell you about those people. I have some really good friends who are white. They're the nicest people or some of the nicest people I've met. They've been born into privilege. They've lived a life of privilege. They've lived in a bubble. A bubble that has been sheltered from the reality of the rest of the world. Either because they, they can't wrap their minds around things they hear in the news. Or they are so conditioned by their own environment that they don't believe anything outside of that exists. That means that they interact with people of the same affluence who have been to the same places and gone to the same schools and have the same friends. And so what we're speaking of is foreign to them. Then there's the other group of people who know this is going on But like I said in my first episode, prejudice has been passed down from generation to generation. But one thing that I've noticed is that in the current movements of the George Floyd reaction, the thousands of people who have been protesting are made up of people of every race, including white people. We call that Generation Z. So Generation Z and their ideology is our goal. Our goal where black, white, brown, doesn't matter, all interact, all form relationships of every manner, all live together, and the skin color is no longer a measuring stick. And the the bottom line is, to get to that point, I'm not exactly sure what the solution is, what the the methodology is. The people that we still have around, and again, I referenced my first episode about the gentleman who was on Channel 4 News uh, a couple of weeks ago, Screaming, you know, F and N to someone across on the Black Lives Matter uh, protests in this day and age, nothing is going to change that person's thinking. No amount of reform is going to change that level of racism. All that happens, and this is my personal belief, is that when you put enough pressure on people when the result of them showing their racism is something that affects their livelihood or you know, their way of life, they hide it. They lock it away in a closet and they, and, they, and they discuss it in their private rooms. So we feel unaffected and we feel that change has come. But nothing has changed. We look back on the history, and I'm talking about recent history in the last decade or two of the amount of people that have gone through horrendous situations, black and brown people who have lost their lives and Unfortunately, we are still talking about police. I mean there's other things going on in the world that are that are hindering or that are against or prejudice against black people but For this focus, we think about the the many instances, the many instances where they've lost their lives, where the perpetrators at this point, the perpetrators happens to be a police officer, but the perpetrator has walked away scot-free and a life that's been lost, someone's mother, father, daughter, son. And we've had these uproars. And then... We look back and then the next one occurs and in between the two it's like the movement just died. This time we can't let that happen. This time we have to say enough is enough. For all of us who have children out there who send our sons and daughters out into the world to Live their own lives, knowing that when they get out there and the first time we hand them the keys to the car, and you know what teenager isn't excited about you know getting to drive and having their own car, the worry of a parent at some point used to be, "I hope they drive safely I'm, you know i don't want them to get into an accident, I hope they're there and and now the worry is what happens if they get pulled over? Because even in cases of compliance or even in cases of exercising your legal right to say things like, I disagree, officer. May I speak with your supervisor? I can do that anywhere I go. How many of us have gone to a supermarket or, or a grocery store or, or, or an apparel store, you know, and we didn't like the service we got or there's an issue, we can say freely, may I speak with your supervisor, please? The request to speak with your supervisor should not and must not result in you being dragged out of your vehicle, thrown to the ground, handcuffed and humiliated. One human being should not feel they have the right to do that to another one who has not especially committed any violent crime, maybe it's a traffic stop or whatever, that does not justify that action. I understand, too, from talking with my police officer friends that the reality is that behind closed doors, many of them will tell you that when they have to patrol certain areas or they make certain stops, Honestly, they're afraid. And I get it. In a a weird sense, I get it because all of the things that have happened in history have led up to this point. But I do believe that if you treat someone with respect, now there are exceptions to every rule. And nothing that we put in place will be perfect. There's no promises that I can make to the next black driver who is pulled over. And there's no promises I can make to the next police officer who pulls over a black driver. But to close the gap on the careless acts, we must find a common ground where mutual respect reigns. So as I wrap this up on this episode of Black Lives Matter Reloaded, I'd like to leave listeners with some thoughts. Prejudice is something that is a result of something else, whether it is taught by generation to generation, whether it is formed by an experience, a bad experience, whether it's formed by peer pressure, there's so many different reasons that a person who is born without prejudice, and let's be clear, when we first enter this world, we are completely without prejudice. It is difficult for me to understand why someone would dislike me Not because of who I am in terms of my character. Not because of who I am in terms of anything else but the color of my skin. This is not a situation where we were all born with the same color and then we got to look at a paint chart and pick the color that we would live with throughout the rest of our lives. Behind these different shades of people, we are all human beings. We all should recognize when there is a problem. We all need to acknowledge that this has been going on in the black community too long. And for us black people, we need to understand that we are the catalyst for change the people who can make the laws, and I will say it again as I did in my first episode on Black Lives Matter Reloaded, those that make the decisions in many cases and in most cases require a demand from those who are affected. We have to keep the pressure on. And I want to say this as a sidebar. We have politicians who, enact laws and change laws every single time they're running for office they tell us what we want to hear once they get into office they forget about us they vote many bills that are against us who voted for them and then when it's time for them to be reelected, they come up with all these promises again our fault in the process and our responsibility in the process is to keep good records of all that they've done during their time in office and close our ears to what they have to say for reelection if they have not delivered. We cannot keep this cycle going of people in Congress, people in government who say the most outrageous things and the most condescending things about black people. It is time that representation means all people. And we have enough numbers in black and brown people to put everybody in government and everybody in a decision-making position unnoticed. We are going to break this chain. The events that have led to this point are never going to be acceptable again. And the next time we see you face to face, we will be able to say to you, the chain is broken. So right after I recorded this podcast but before it aired I happened to see a news conference and a video related to the Rashad Brooks killing. I watched a video of a struggle with Rashad Brooks and the two police officers in a pretty well-lit area. I watched Rashad Brooks with the Taser that had already been fired twice so it could no longer fire. I am very certain from what I saw that those two police officers knew exactly what he had in his hand. Then I watched Rashard Brooks turn and run, turn again, and then run a second time. Completely with his back to the officer. I watched him get shot I watched him fall to the ground. I watched a cop who seemed to be exuberant over his kill like he was hunting. And then got over his prey and he kicked him to say, I am superior. You are down. This is the act of one human being over another. This is unacceptable. This is unacceptable. I'm not sure I have adjectives to describe what it could have felt like or what it feels like to me looking at this. One human being standing over the other. One is the hunter and one is a prey. This is not the act of good police officers and certainly not the act of the police officers I know who would never treat another human being like this. The police officer in question is now charged with murder. The other one that was there has charges as, as well, but I'm not sure what the charges are. But he certainly, by his actions of helping to ensure that Rashad Brooks remained on the ground and offered no assistance in any other case, what would we say, accessory to murder? This makes no sense not only for that instance of what happened, but the fact that we are still in the high of the George Floyd protests and still in a sore spot over what happened. This has to be in the, on the minds of every single person who goes through these interactions every day. And certainly, those two officers could have chased that man down, chased Rashad Brooks down, and tackled him to the ground. But they felt the need to shoot him in the back. There is a crime here, in my opinion. But I'm not just talking about the shooting. I'm talking about the crime against black people the crime against human beings who share a different color of skin, the anger that seems to exist towards us, and the fact that we are seen as prey. This must end. To the Generation Z I spoke of and to all people who have a heart, if you have a pet and you're able to show a pet so much love, there's no question that you can show that same love and more to another human being and to black and brown people because they too are human beings. My anger is hard to contain, but this must end. I want to thank all of my listeners for your continued support. You can listen to new episodes every Friday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you enjoy listening to your podcasts. You can also head over to the website at www.247realtalk.net. Until the next time, be good to yourselves and each other.